0: So what is I Love My Church Sunday all about? Anybody know? Why do we even bother to have it? Because we love our church. I'm getting called out down here at the the front. Look, it's a way that we can share with you a picture, a vision of what you're part of, of where we're going and how we're going to get there. And I say we because, as Chris so well explained last week, God never does anything in isolation. He's knitted us together here at C3 Norwood to be part of something so much bigger, the C3 tribe, as they like to call themselves. C3 tribe is the C3 churches all together globally. It's a global movement with churches all over the world. And our prayer this morning is that you would be inspired by the Holy Spirit, that your heart and your mind would be open to him, that you would receive encouragement to keep on going, that you would receive encouragement to get involved, that you would be encouraged in the culture of who we are and where God's taking us, that you would be encouraged with direction that you would be encouraged that you are not here by accident, but you're being knitted into a family and your destiny comes out of those joinings. Let us, let's just pray for a moment before we go on. Jesus, thank you for placing us here together. Thank you for placing us in this great movement, C3 Church. This morning, I declare, I love my church. I pray every heart would be open this morning to receive from you, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I'm just going to give you a little bit of background this morning before we invite Pastor Chris up. And some of you may know this and others may be new to the church and this will be new information for you. Over 35 years ago, C3 Church was birthed in Sydney by Pastor Phil and Chris Pringle, the pastors that we prayed for this morning. And they are the leaders and the founders of this great movement. Some years ago, Pastor Phil set a vision in motion to see 1,000 locations by the year 2020 around the globe. And we've been seeing an increase in the number of locations ever since. Right now, we've got some current stats for you, if we could put them up on the screen. We're currently at 402 churches around the globe, or C3 locations, I should say. That's an incredible feat for something that started 35 years ago with a dream in Sydney and it now spans the globe. I want us to have a look at a a clip this morning which shows a little bit more about where some of those locations are. So, would you fix your eyes to the screen? so wonderful as we travel through our regional conferences to see the fire and the passion for the Lord, for God and for each other.
1: To intimidate is to make me quiet. You are not created to be quiet. I have more for you. you more than
0: There is something That's amazing, isn't it? Incredible to see some of that. And do you know that we've had word just this very week that a new location has just opened in Dubai? That was for you down the back, yes. (laughs) Very exciting. That's out of um, Richard and Kathy Green's church in Sydney. So fantastic, fantastic stuff is happening and, you know, it's easy to look at that and say, well, well, what's that got to do with us? And you know what? It's not actually all about numbers at all. I know we're talking numbers right there to you and letting you know what's happening, but it's actually about people. The numbers are just an indicator that we're actually reaching people. So when we talk about numbers... We're really talking about how many people we're actually reaching around the world. It's about making decisions for Christ. It's about empowering people to do the work of the ministry. Jesus said he's not happy that any should perish. And he said, go, therefore, into all the world and make disciples, baptising them in my name. And here in Adelaide, we are part of that great vision. ...and doing exactly that. We currently here in Adelaide have six C3 churches. One is a Burmese church uh, in Parafield Gardens. But we're aiming for more. More churches and more locations... ...mean more people that we can reach for Jesus. And that is the only reason and the only motivation... ...for more churches, for larger numbers, for more locations... At the same time, the more we grow numerically as a church, the more ministry we can offer and the wider reach we can have into our communities, and so more lives we can see transformed by Jesus. So we are currently aiming in this church as the next level to reach 120 people and into the future to purchase our own building. Because right now, this facility is great. I mean, it's good, isn't it? We're air-conditioned, we're cool in here in winter, we're heated, we've got room for the kids, we've got nice lighting, we've got nice floors, etc. But we can only fit and do so much in here. Having our own building and a larger premises enables us to have a greater presence and the ability to reach the community for Christ. And that's what we're all about. So let's just have a really quick recap over what I've gone over this morning. Number one, we're not alone. We're part of something much, much bigger. We're not just a C3 church here in Adelaide. We're part of a worldwide movement that is reaching people for Christ. Number two, we have other C3 churches right here in Adelaide working alongside us praying with one another, encouraging one another, lifting one another up, uh, getting ideas from one another, supporting one another. Number three, we're aiming as the next level 120 people in this place. And number four, we are currently saving for our own building and we have a substantial amount. What are we up to? and. we have saved so far for our own building. It's not too far off that we're going to actually need to access that and find a building because we are actually going to run out of space in this place. But God has blessed us with an incredible opportunity right now to have a building that suits our needs for the moment, that, as I said, is comfortable for us, but it is also really, really cheap. So it it enables us... to save money for our own place. And that's an incredible blessing to us. And we want to be able to hang on to that for as long as we can because the more money we can put aside, the more um, we can do with that later. So that's an incredible blessing. So church is about reaching people. It's about souls saved and it's about empowering people to do the work of the ministry. What we do today sets up a future for those who will follow We're about building a church with strong foundations that will live on well after we have gone. This is God's church and he won't rest until the whole world has come to him. That's amazing, isn't it? There's work to be done and we're not here to have our ears tickled but we're here to serve in such a way that we create an atmosphere where people can be reached and lives can be transformed. I'm going to hand over to Chris in just a moment, and he's going to bring a message for you, and then I'm going to come back up, and I'm going to tell you three ways that you can be part of the vision this morning. So let's welcome Chris as he comes. I
1: don't think I need that. You can take that one away. Now, I'm going to be as quick as possible this morning, but that could take some time. <laughs> I want to, I want, if you've got your Bibles there, turn to the Gospel of Mark. We're going to start at the very beginning this morning. And I don't know if you know much about the Gospels, but there are four of them. And they all have their own personality. And Mark is a, no, you'll notice that Mark doesn't have any preamble. He starts off. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. None of this genealogy stuff, none of this, there was a nice time in Bethlehem when Jesus was born. It's like, hang on, the prophet Isaiah said this, and look, it's happening. And and if you read the Gospel of Mark, which I recommend, it's full of words like, immediately, when this, then this, and as soon as. Uh, scattered all through. I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, so don't go and try and find all those words. Um, But Mark, he's interested in what Jesus has to offer. He's interested in the whole picture of why God brought Jesus to earth and how we benefit from it. And all the rest of it to him is frivolous stuff. And so he discards all of that and he's straight to the point. So he's a a fiery sort of character. And sometimes when other gospels say, you know, they traveled for four days to the next, city and did this Mark will say immediately we did that we left and went there and it's like okay she was they take the tube or something um but no they walked and so be prepared he starts off and what did the prophet Isaiah say he said look what does that mean we should look I am sending a messenger ahead of you and he will prepare your way he is a voice shouting in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. So who was this messenger? Who are we looking at? We know now that it was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and he preached that people should be baptized to show they'd repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. Now, Mark is also not afraid of exaggeration. It's a bit like rock concert promoters. The Beatles came to Adelaide and all the people of Adelaide lined the streets to welcome the Beatles. Well, I didn't. I was a bit young, I guess. Uh, But most of the people of Adelaide did. Um, And here, when he says all, he means most. Um, But if you actually go back into the, the Greek here, when it says went out to see him, the actual word is kept going out to see him. So it wasn't just a one-off visit like the Beatles. They just kept going out to see what this John guy was talking about. Um, And when they confessed their sins, he baptised them in the River Jordan, in the Jordan River. I think I've mixed my notes around here. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food he ate locusts and wild honey. John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. Because that was actually something that slave owners didn't even ask their slaves to do. It was their job to take off their sandals. That was beneath even a slave to do. So he's saying, I, I'm like, I could crawl under the belly of a worm. I am so insignificant compared to who is coming. He says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So you can see that Mark, Mark is pumped. He, he doesn't want to talk about the, the manger in the stable and the, the journey to Egypt and stuff like that. He's like, hey, John the Baptist came as a messenger and he had this message, somebody great is coming. And he's excited, he's doing his little dance and he's wandering around the desert in his camel hair coat and his leather belt. I think I like the idea of a leather belt. He's obviously a snappy dresser. (laughs) So, what are the three things that we need to know about John the Baptist and how do they impact us? Because the first important thing we need to recognise is he was a voice in the wilderness. uh, Who thinks that's an odd place to go? He was a voice in the... Why wasn't he a voice in Jerusalem? In, in the towns? On the roads? He was a voice in the wilderness. And we can be forgiven, I think, for thinking that the wilderness is this place where nobody is around. You, you think of the wilderness, you think of... Nobody answers. You're out in the middle of nowhere. There's no water. The animals are all skeletons on the ground. It's blazing hot. It's the wilderness. But that's actually not where John was and not what it means when when it's in the wilderness. How do we know that? Because everybody in Jerusalem and Judea came to see him. If you went out in the middle of Central Australia and started preaching the gospel, I can tell you nobody from Adelaide would come to see you. So what's what's the wilderness telling us? Because who knows that the Jewish people have a long history with the wilderness. They wandered around in it for 40 years. But I want to ask you a few questions about the wilderness. When the Israelites wandered around for 40 years, was God with them? Yes, we know that because he led them round with a, a pillar of smoke by day and fire by night. So he was there in the wilderness. So they weren't away from God. John the Baptist was out in the wilderness. He was with God. Were they provided for in the wilderness? We know the answer to that is yes, because they got manna from heaven. They got quail in the morning, bread at night, and they still complained. Quail sandwiches got boring after a while. But they were provided for. When you're in the wilderness, it's not a place where you're starving. It's not a place where you're not being provided for, and it's not a place where, you're, where God is absent. So John was out there, and we know he was provided for. Locusts and wild honey, what's better? So the third thing about the wilderness, did the Jewish people want to be there? No. What, where did they want to be? The Promised Land. Why weren't they in the promised land? That's a complex question. But the interesting thing was that while they were in the wilderness, they were out of their comfort zone. John was out of his comfort zone. He was in the wilderness. He'd taken himself somewhere that wasn't where he was brought up. We know that he was brought up in a good family. We talked about that last week. uh, Zeke and Liz. What would they call him? Zeke. Zeke. That's right. Zeke and Liz. Libby you know they brought him up well he, they didn't when he was a baby they didn't put him in a in his cot and say camel hair i reckon that'd suit him we'll stick a little belt on him and we'll only feed him late. that wasn't how he was brought up he took himself out of his comfort zone to be a voice in the wilderness he was with god god was with him he was provided for but he put himself in a place that was uncomfortable for him who wants to be john the baptist no, unfortunately, I've got news for you. The second thing about John the Baptist was he actually fitted in. Now you're looking at me strange, like, come on, this guy wore camel hair stuff and ate wild bugs, I mean bugs, dried bugs and wild honey. Who does that? Well, I looked it up and I discovered that people at that, in that time who lived in the wilderness ate that stuff all the time. It was a bit like going down to the corner store and getting a, a pie. Except they got locusts and wild honey. And, what, and, and guess what was out in the wilderness? Camels and locusts. And so camel hair was a fairly common product for making clothes. So we sort of think John the Baptist is this weirdo wearing camel hair and eating strange food out in the desert was really, he was out there fitting in with the locals. And sometimes we do that and we come back to church and people in church look at us and say, you're a weirdo. We're actually called to go out and fit in with the locals. We're called to go out and sometimes change our habits so that we're out of our comfort zone but people will come and listen to us because, have I said before, everybody in Jerusalem and Judea came to listen to John. He must have been doing something right. He fit it in. We know he ate and dressed appropriately. His message was persuasive because people came out to hear it. In fact, it says they came out to see him. So he must have looked interesting to the people in Jerusalem and to hear his message. What was powerful about his message? He followed it with action. If people repented, what did he do? He didn't say, nice job well done, let me shake your hand, off you go back to Jerusalem. He said, come here you, and he dunked them in the Jordan River and baptized them and said, here is a sign that you have turned your life around, that you have accepted God, repented of your sins, and you are now washed and ready to go. He says, but you're not completely ready because there's somebody coming after me who is going to give you even more than I can give you. Does that sound like something that we should be saying? Too many of us, I think, want to be little Jesus, Holy Ghost Junior. We are God, but just a slightly smaller version. We're Jesus, but slightly less powerful and not as handsome. But we're not called to be Holy Ghost Junior. We're called to be John the Baptist. We're called to point the way to somebody who is greater than us. And these are the ways we do it. The third and most important thing is he pointed to Jesus. How much of our approach to church is for us to point to Jesus? That was John's whole rationale. Some of us come to church and we like to dress in the the camel hair and the belt because it looks good. Some of us like to come to church because of the great wild honey coffee and the, uh, the dried locust uh, cookies that we have afterwards, because it's a really great social occasion in church. Some of us like to put ourselves out of our comfort zone, because it makes us feel a bit holy. You know, we'd like to go on street corners and preach, because it's really uncomfortable, but other people love it. You can tell because of all the uh, rotten vegetables they throw at you. And the fact that they all respond to your call, and you baptise them, not... You don't see too much of that. But the whole reason that John did all of these things was because he'd studied his, his target audience, if you like. He knew what he had to do, but his whole reason to do it was to point to Jesus. He was out there, and his message was, was crafted in such a way that people couldn't get enough of it. The people of Jerusalem came out, listened to him, went back home, and the next day they said, "That let's go again. And they kept going out. hear John preach and every so often one of them say well hang it all he's right I repent come here bang under the water right you go and start following God he's coming soon somebody greater than I is coming be ready be ready so he pointed to Jesus Jesus is the Messiah not me I know that disappoints a few of you me most of all but we're here to point to Jesus The second thing that's exciting about Jesus is what Jesus brings or who Jesus brings. He's bringing the Holy Spirit. Who knows that we don't bring the Holy Spirit. We bring the person who does. We're not there to actually act as the Holy Spirit. We're there to invite, I mean, if we're praying for somebody, we're not the Holy Spirit. I'm not there saying, the power in me is just healing Brendan right now and he's... You know his body is being changed. It's it's gosh, his muscles are getting bigger. It's it's not me. I'm here to say, look, Lord, I am pointing to you. I'm calling on your Holy Spirit to do something here. I'm praying in faith that because I have repented, that I believe in God, that I've been raised to the same level as Jesus Christ. That I have the authority to call upon the power of God, not the power of Chris. That's a good thing because Brendan's lost with the power of Chris. He can lift more than me already probably always has been able to. So he will bring the holy spirit. So these three things actually apply to us. We need to be a voice in the world, out of our comfort zone. You can't preach the gospel here in church. That's my job. But the thing is I'm preaching it to the choir. I'm preaching it so that we get inspired to go out of our comfort zones and preach it to the people who need it. He fit it in We need to stop designing a culture of church and expect people who come in to fit in and design a culture that's inclusive so that anybody who comes in feels that they can fit in. Now that doesn't mean that we don't have a church culture, don't get me wrong, I'm not throwing away the whole idea that C3 has distinctives that other churches do differently. But we should never hold that up as a God, if you like to actually make people conform before we're prepared to preach the gospel. We should actually change ourselves in order to get into people's lives so that we can preach the gospel. Sure, then we can tell them that they can't wear t-shirts when they're preaching and make up rules like that. All churches do. But they're not supposed to be godly. So, okay, we need to be people. I'll wrap this up right now. We need to be people with the courage to leave our comfort zone but people who are smart enough to persuade other people to leave theirs. We need to be adaptable. We need to make our message persuasive and we need to act on our words. If we've convinced somebody that they need to follow Jesus, we need to introduce them. If we've shown people that they need to be baptised and repent, we need to actually do that for them. Now, it doesn't mean we all have to rush out and find a paddock to start preaching in. Rather, look around you. Look at the contribution that you can make where you're at right now in the church you are in. What are you doing in this church that takes you out of your comfort zone? If the answer is nothing, I want to encourage you, find something. It may be making coffee. For some I mean, I've, I've used that machine, it's frightening. You can put that, that steam wand into the coffin before you know it, A, you've burnt your hand, and B, the milk's burnt and it's not textured at all. I don't know how they do that, that frightens me. Now, I've been told I'm not allowed to step out of my comfort zone in that direction, because people stop drinking coffee. But we need to step out and do something in the context of our local church. Church... You're going to hate me for this. Church is not meant to be the promised land. It's not a place where we come to be comfortable. All together after me. Oh. God is here, but he doesn't call us here to be comfortable. He actually calls us here to show us how we can move beyond comfortable to actually building his kingdom. We are... John the Baptist. Here we have the instructions on how to do what he did. This year, let's get out of our comfort zones. Let's be smart enough to get other people out of their comfort zones. And let's start something which ends with them being introduced to our Lord Jesus Christ. After you, my darling in the microphone. Yes, I did.
0: Well, as we said this morning, you know, church is not about numbers. It's not about how big we are or you know what building we have or anything like that. It's about seeing decisions made for Christ. It's about empowering people to do the work of the ministry. It's about about creating an environment where people can come and find Jesus. And that's what we're all about here at C3 Norwood. And this morning you might have noticed that there was a volunteer booklet on your seat. And you're probably thinking, well, what are they there for? How does it all work? I'm already busy and I don't need to do anything else. But let me encourage you this morning with a scripture from Ephesians 4 and verse 16. It says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body will be healthy. So God has placed you here. And as I said earlier, he's placed us in a family. And our destiny comes out of those joinings. It's not about you it's actually about decisions for Christ. It's about how many lives can we see transformed in this place. So what I want you to do this morning is think about what do you love to do? You know, maybe you love to pray. And maybe you're really good at, at praying for people's sicknesses, praying for people to get jobs praying for people's family situations to be resolved and that's good and you should continue to do that. That is part of what we do. But what about if you turned that around and you began to pray for people to come into God's presence in this place? What about if you began to pray for people to make decisions for Christ every Sunday in this church? What about if you began to pray for people to come and serve in this house? What about if you began to pray for a building, an incredible building for this church so that we could go on and see decisions made for Christ? What if you began to see things from that perspective and you began to unite with the vision of this house and we could grow together you could be part of that team serving to see Life's transformed in this place. Maybe, maybe you really love hospitality. You know, maybe you could think about, if you're going to serve, putting on a massive smile, being friendly, welcoming visitors, being joyful about serving people, realising that what you do creates an atmosphere in this house, an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit and Jesus, so that this place is a place that people would want to come back to and they can find Jesus here because of what you're doing in your serving. Maybe, maybe you're a visual person and you care about how things look. You know, it's all about creating an atmosphere where people can come and connect with Jesus. So little things are important. Every little thing that we do in this place is about creating an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit so that people can connect to Jesus. Maybe you love kids. You know, everything we do with our precious children now is so important because they are the next generation. We want them to love God's house, not just now, but forever Serving in the church is one of the greatest honours and privileges that we could have. It's not about us. It's actually about serving our God. It's all about meeting the needs of others. It's never about just doing stuff. It's always about creating atmosphere. It's about creating pathways. It's about creating connections. And it's about creating presence. So that Jesus can come and lives can be transformed. It's never been about us. It's always about others. Everything we do from a smile and a handshake is about connecting people to Jesus. We don't have music and lighting and morning tea and coffee because we feel like it. They're all pathways to create atmosphere so that people can connect with Jesus. And if we begin to think of how we can serve from that perspective. It changes everything. It changes not only the way that we think, but it changes the atmosphere so that the people that come into this house and the people that we connect with outside of church come to see what an incredible God we serve. They want to be around us. They want to be around the people of God, they want to find a way to connect with the God that we've connected with and we're the people to lead them into that connection. You know there are three ways I said earlier that we can begin to become part of the vision here this morning to reach people, to see people make a decision and to empower others. Number one, we can serve in church. Number two, We can give. And number three, we can be the church. And I think we had a great message about that a few weeks back. So what we're going to do right now is actually two of those things. Serve in church and give. We've got our special offering coming up in a moment. But before we do that, can I ask you to pick up those volunteer forms... Even if you already are volunteering. Can can we just have a couple of minutes? I want you to take a minute and fill those forms in. And do you know, just before you start doing it and you become distracted, the reason that I want you to do it is because as we come forward and we give this morning into this offering, one thing that we can also give is our service. And if you're already serving, fill in those forms with what you're already doing. And come and commit that to God for this year. If you're not and you would love to serve and be part of serving in this house, of seeing people come into relationship with Jesus, you can also come forward and give that as an offering this morning and say, I'm going to commit myself to serve this year in C3 Norwood. I want to do something to serve this house I want to do something to see others come into relationship with Jesus and I can now see how I can do that. I see how those things are connected. So I'll just give you a couple of minutes to fill those out.
1: Once you've filled all of those out, we want you to think of those as part of the offering and uh, we want you to bring them down and place them in the offering basket we've got down here but also want to encourage you to be part of our I love my church offering this morning. Um, we have up on the screen again ways to give into that offering. And I met and it's been mentioned over the last couple of Sundays. This is this is really what we call a seed offering. This is actually a, an offer a faith offering planting in to what we're doing in our church in the next It's not for a specific plan or a specific purpose. It's actually just to take us somewhere different. As it it did last year, we used it for a, a number of different things which actually changed the face of this church. But I think it's important to remember that it's not about what it does when you give. It's about who you're giving to. Um, I got a bit distracted this morning and one of, one of the things we're, we're planning on this year is a stage to raise the, the worship team and the preaching up a level. Not because I like heights but because I've noticed that when we go down the back sometimes the disconnect between what's happening up the front and what's happening up the back is quite strong. And let me tell you, you people up the back are missing out. You, you need to get here early and and take people's places up the front who who are who are just getting them because they get here early they don't they don't own them they don't belong there if you get here early you can say then there sit up the back because let me tell you the worship is hugely better down the front now we don't hate you people up the back and so we're getting a, we want to get a stage so that we can actually decrease that imbalance and I've I got to admit Towards the end of praise and worship, there, I was praying away and I, th- I was thinking about the stage. So I got a little distracted. And I was thinking of what it would look like and how much it's going to cost and the work involved and all these sort of things. And suddenly, as I'm picturing this in my mind, I see a vortex start at the top and the roof disappears. The lighting bar disappears. And the curtaining all disappears. The drum kit vanishes in a puff of sand. And the whole lot disappears. Uh, and I, I really got a picture from God that none of it matters. It's all going to disappear one day. The only thing that is permanent is the kingdom of God. And it's not that we shouldn't do these things, but we need to remember why we do these things. Because they're impermanent. Anything we do here is not permanent. It's going to change. But we, if we're doing it because we believe in the eternity that Jesus has for us. If we believe that what we do, what we change, what we achieve as Vicky was talking with atmosphere, if it brings people into eternal life, guess what? It's eternally useful. And so it's not actually about what we do with our offering. It's actually why we're doing it. And the whole idea is to plant a seed to enable us to be able to be more creative with how we introduce people to Jesus. If people come into the back row and they don't experience the worship to the degree that they could, they may never meet Jesus. Our our desire is that everybody be touched by God on a Sunday morning and we will do whatever we can to make that happen. Does it always work the way we plan? Never. Well, hardly ever. But does God work through all of that because of why we're doing it? Yes, he does. And so I encourage you to give this morning, to love your church, not because you like what we do, not because you're hanging out for a stage or new curtains or a better screen or, or bigger lights or comfier chairs or whatever it is. None of that matters. But if we have a heart, to introduce people to Jesus and we will use every tool at our disposal to do it God will honour that God will enable us to be John the Baptist in our community so I encourage you as well as the volunteer forms let's prayerfully give this morning into a 2016 that's going to see souls won for Jesus lives changed in his name the power of the Holy Spirit obvious in our community because we have stepped out of our comfort zone and spread that message of Jesus. Now, hopefully you've prepared yourselves. What I'm going to ask people to do, I'm going to get the, we're going to start from the front because I'm going to ask the musicians to come out and put their offering in the basket first and, and then come up on stage. And Vicky and I, can you come up here? We're just going to lay hands on people as they give and pray a blessing on them. And they're giving this morning. So we're not going to say anything long and wordy. We're just going to lay hands on you and bless you. So if if we do it row by row, if the front row starts now, and uh, we'll carry on from there. ask you to reach out your hands to this basket, to this offering. And we want to pray right now. Lord, this is a basket which contains the potential of your people. I thank you, Lord, that you bless every single person who loves their church. And I thank you, Lord, and I pray right now, believing in faith that you can do incredibly more than we could imagine, even with the little we have given you. And I just believe right now, I make a statement of faith that we are going to see miracles this year. We are going to see changes that we would not have credited that are possible. We are going to see your hand move on people's lives in a way that is going to make us fall to our knees, give you the praise, give you the glory. 2016 is going to be the year of the Holy Spirit in this place.